We acknowledge the custodians of place, the traditional owners of our lands, waters and skies, wherever you are in this moment. We created this podcast here on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Eastern Kulin Nation and pay our respects to the elders and culture leaders, past, present and future. Content warning. This is a quick heads up that this episode explores themes such as consent and the influences of drug use on health conditions. What is it like to be an adolescent? It's like a hurricane in slow motion. Pleasant things happen at odd intervals when you least expect it. It's confusing and lonely at the same time overwhelming. Hey everyone, welcome to the show Even More Than This, based on the TV show More Than This. My name is Ling, my pronouns are she, they, and I'm joined by Anika. Hey, I'm Anika, my pronouns are she, her. And in this episode, we're going to be exploring episode six of More Than This, where we are piecing together what it means to be an adolescent in today's day and age. So a little bit of a recap of episode six as we reach the sixth and final episode of the series. All the tensions come to an absolute boiling point and erupt in an explosion of emotions and drama. I feel as though in everyone's teen journey, there was that one party and for the More Than This crew, it was definitely this one that Benson hosted. Can you relate to that, Ling? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout this episode, there were lots of saucy kisses, dramatic breakups, and not only did an ambulance rock up to the scene, also Mr. E did as well. But right at the beginning of this episode, we see the unfolding of the situation between Charlotte and Carlisle. So let's get into an interaction between them two. Morning. Made your coffee. Thanks. You okay? Yeah, I just got something to tell you. Is there another guy? Of course there's another guy. Where is he? I'll kill him. I'm 17. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. I'm sorry, I should have told you. I should have asked beforehand. And I don't want to put you in any kind of position, and I'm okay. You're insanely mature for a 17-year-old. I'll probably finish this coffee and then bounce. You know what? I think that's a good idea. So what you all just heard was Charlotte ended up telling Carlisle that she was actually 17. And I think his response was a very common one. And he was like, oh, you're certainly mature for your age. And I feel like men often say that when they they find out about a girl's age. Because the girl is often more mature for her age. But I feel like a lot of people use that as an excuse to justify their behavior. And so this situation is so complicated because it was clearly unethical. But again, who is to blame? Because Carlisle is obviously the older person, but he didn't know her age, which in that sense is not his fault. But he also didn't bother to ask, which to me hints that like some part of him knew, but he didn't really care because he just wanted to sleep with her without like complicating the situation. And if he asked her and the answer was something that he didn't want to hear, it would like he would have to say no, even though he didn't want to. But then on the flip side, I think part of it falls on Charlotte as well, because even though she is the child, she still knew like to a certain extent that he was older and that she was in high school. And yeah, so just what do you think about this whole situation? I think that relationships are always two-way, and I agree. And I think a quote that really accentuates that whole idea is the, I should have told you, I should have asked. 
little sequence. And I think that's really important to note. I think something that I noticed in myself and my own kind of viewing habits whilst I was watching this scene was that I was really on edge the whole time. And I was kind of really waiting for something bad to happen. Yeah. Like the situation and the unfolding of the situation in itself was not obviously a very positive thing. Obviously Charlotte was very vulnerable, kind of turned to Carlisle as a means of kind of support and that validation. I think I was definitely anticipating for something really bad to happen, following on from all of this bad luck. Um, is that something that you were also anticipating as well? Yeah, because it? it was like just so uncomfortable, the whole interaction. But I think it's also because of like we're watching this happen in front of us and we expect bad things to happen because that's what society has kind of nurtured us to think. Because you often see the trope of like young girl, older guy never ends well. So I think, yeah, that was why, um, you know, we were anticipating that. And I also think in terms like of representation, like we were saying, the whole like after she told him and then his response, I think that was represented well because it was like the lines and the characters were trying to show the audience like, oh, this is what you should do if you encounter this. This is what you should say and things like that. But I also think that he wasn't, like Carlisle wasn't violent or anything. And he did regret um, what he did and he admitted his part of the responsibility. But I felt like he didn't really feel bad about what happened to her, but rather how it could impact him because he was like, oh, don't tell anyone and things like that. And I feel like that comes across as like, I don't want to get in trouble. But, you know, like this is on you. Yeah, totally. And I think something that's important to flag in this scene is that this is purely just an isolated example. It is. It wasn't a completely negative and completely dangerous experience um, on the whole. And both parties were safe, I guess, eventually. Um, but this is not always the case. And yeah. so I think it's really important to flag that this is just an isolated example. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like the worry that we feel for Charlotte as the audience is completely valid because even Alex was worried about her like the next day at school, you know, and I think these concerns that he voiced were just totally valid. I agree. And that conversation takes place just before they head off to Benson's party. Um, so I reckon let's switch up the conversation and take it to the main event of the episode. Do you know what I haven't played in the longest time? Spin the bottle! Oh, oh, oh yes? yes? Oh, yeah, don't test me! Don't test me! Come on, where is it now? Here it is. Well, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Boss, are you? I'm telling you. Sit down. So the big question, Ling, should you play spin the bottle if you're in a relationship? Okay, personally, I would say no. And in terms of the show, I think Zali's decision to play spin the bottle while having a partner was really weird and to me kind of showed that she was already over the relationship and she was trying to break out with Emma in the most non-straightforward way as possible. And it's obviously, you know, very hard to watch the person that you're in love with kiss somebody else. And just to unpack that, let's have a listen to the interaction after the kiss, which is the exchange between Zali and Jamie after Zali and Emma's breakup. I just ended things with Emma. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It was meant to be. Over. I mean, it was meant to be over. Right. Jamie. Sorry, I... I don't like you like that. I'm, um... I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. 
I appreciated you being there for me. Forget I did anything. So, Zaya and Emma have broken up, breaking news, and then now Jamie is trying to shoot their shot, right, in the bathtub scene? So, yeah, I think that when Jamie tried to kiss Zali when they were alone, it was not necessarily them misreading the situation, because before it was clear that Zali wanted to kiss him. But this also brings up the question of consent yet again. Should you ask someone before kissing them? I think it's very context-dependent. Mm-hmm, I yeah. don't have a straightforward answer. I thought I had a straightforward answer, but I don't have a straightforward answer. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's very context-dependent. Yeah. I think sometimes it's important to read the room and kind of take things slowly, but then on other occasions, I think there is something to be said about asking before kissing somebody. What do you think, Ling? Yeah, I think when I ask people this question, a lot of the times the answer is like, oh, but it ruins the vibe, you know? But is there a vibe if there's no consent? You know what I mean? <laughs> consent is a vibe. Exactly. <laughs> so I feel like it's kind of sweet when... You know, they ask you because it's clear that, you know, they're thinking about how you feel with the situation and all of that. But yeah, I think it is still context depending. Like you kind of have to do read the room and you have to judge the context on your own. I do agree. And I think when we compare different kissing scenes throughout the episode, that of Zali and Jamie and then that of Alex and Sammy, it is very context dependent. And we can see that obviously throughout the course of the show, we're building up to we're building up the tension between Zali and Jamie. And this kiss kind of like almost consolidates all of the tension that's built up. However, the kiss between Alex and Sammy, I have questions. Yeah, um, Sammy did not read the room. (laughs) That was very clear really just came out of nowhere. It was such a curveball because there was no, like, build-up. There was no hints. The hints were not dropped that they were going to kiss. And I think that... But that still does bring up, you know, the consent thing because the context was definitely not there. And the consent definitely was not either. So I felt like that's such a weird combination of those things. I agree, Ling. And I think before we go any further, let's take a few steps back and let's unpack the breakup between Zali and Emma. Yeah, totally. So after the whole spin the bottle game, Emma, within good reason, I suppose, breaks up with Zali. And I think this was justified, you know, the breakup. But the way she went about it was, I feel so controlling and manipulative as if she was like trying to make Zali feel guilty. Because I remember what she said. She was like, um, after all I've done for you, and something like that, as if Sally owes Emma something back for caring about her, when in reality, I don't think she does. And Emma has a very fixer mentality. You know those relationships mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I can fix you, yeah. you know, we're in this together. And she thinks that she can fix Sally, like, if she tried hard enough. But I think in reality, the only person who can fix Sally is Sally herself. Because in order to really heal and process things, you kind of have to do it on your own. Because... When you share pain with somebody who cares about you, it's like they feel it too. It's like they're carrying the pain with you. And when you share a healing process and pain with them, it makes it hard for you to grow on your own because you have someone to care about. And in that sense, hurting yourself or simply just being in pain is still hurting the other person, which I think just described like their entire relationship. And it's a whole other burden to carry because... You can be with somebody else, but I feel like you kind of have to be your own person at the same time. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. I'm such a big advocate for that whole idea. And I think it's interesting because you can't be mad at Emma for trying to care. I think it's the approach that she takes that is the downfall, essentially. But I think as you progress through each relationship that you're in, especially as an adolescent and as you progress through your years of life, (laughs) I think... 
you kind of learn from each relationship. And once you, like, once a relationship con- concludes, especially an intimate relationship, you're like, okay, what did we do in this? What did I, how, what kind of person was I in this relationship? How can I improve and how can I change and how can I evolve for, like, the next relationship? How will the relationship in itself be different? And what will, like, the kind of hurdles that we encounter, how will they differ from the past relationship? Um, I think you evolve as you go through every relationship in your life. Exactly, yeah. So I just hope that their relationship concluding is a learning lesson for them, for the better health of the characters. I agree. And speaking of better health, we run into a bit of a situation where one of our characters, Alex, has an epileptic episode where some of the characters at the party do need to call the ambulance, but they also call good old Mr. E. I know, (laughs) right? But honestly, like, I could relate to that because I feel like oh no, like something's happened, we're all kids. Oh, there's an adult. Okay, they can fix everything, you know, because they're older. It's fine, you know? I agree. Would you call your teacher, Link? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. <laughs> so with that, we've come to the very final scene of the episode of the entire show, which is basically a full circle moment because we revisit the first scene in the show. I know, yeah. Very bittersweet, very bittersweet. So I absolutely love the way that they decided to end the show, which was with a series of reflective quotes from each of the main characters. So let's start off with Zali's quote. Who am I as a teenager? I'm smart, a high achiever, and yet I have no control over anything, not even my mind. I think this is actually very common in teens because... When you're the type of person to have control your whole life and suddenly you've just lost it, it's like you have no ground to stand on and you kind of lose your way. You know what I mean? Like things don't seem to click like they used to. And it's like you lost a part of you, you know? I think something that happens as you get older is that suddenly situations become more complicated. Things are not as simple. And it does tap into that whole idea of you do lose control of situations. And I think in the case of Zali, it's really interesting because she taps into that theme of imposter syndrome, not feeling good enough. But what is good enough? Exactly. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way. So after that quote, we have Jamie, which is also really interesting. I'm passionate and creative, full of colour, but no one really sees it. The colours swell together to make a grey. I think this quote is actually so reflective of Jamie's whole personality and their journey throughout the whole show because, as you can see from set design and costume and things like that, they are very bright and very out there and, like, it's so great. But I feel like, yeah, people don't really see them for what they really are and it just gets confusing. I agree, and I think this is a very common feeling throughout adolescence where people have this external perception on you. However, internally, it doesn't always reflect. Mm, Yeah. You can definitely see that in Jamie as well. I agree. And that also aligns with Leon's quote as well. I don't know how others perceive me. I don't even really know how I perceive myself. I'm another outsider, even to me. I think this quote out of everyone's is super valid and understandable because being a teen is such an awkward stage in your life because it's so in between. Like you're not fully an adult, but you're not a child and you're expected to do things with maturity, but still yet treated like a child. And it's confusing because you're not here, you're not there. And essentially you are an outsider. And while managing all of this, you still have to find yourself on the way. 
I agree. And I think sometimes you do things or you're a part of things or you're in certain social groups where you don't really align with those people or maybe you do and then you lose touch with that kind of community and you kind of lose your sense of self. Yeah, in that yeah. regard. And I think that definitely shines through in the case of Leon. And I think what's really interesting is that, like, it's going to get a bit deep, but I feel <laughs> as though, like, everything and that happens in life, everyone that you meet in life is there to teach you something, positive, mm, negative, yeah. neutral. Irregardless, it's there and they're there to teach you something. And it's what you take out of those situations, which is essentially what makes you the person that you are. And I think being in adolescence and in the case of Leon and that quote, I think he's really on that journey of discovering who he is and how all of these different life experiences are essentially informing that character. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting way to put it because I feel like people who you associate with kind of reflect who you are as well. And yeah, so just to wrap it all up, Charlotte says, I'm so much more than just one specific thing, but I don't know how to tell you why. I think with this quote, it's the one I relate to the most because it's really understandable in terms of like outlooks and reputation. Because, for example, in school, Charlotte was defined kind of by the whole nude situation and she couldn't really be seen as anything else after that happened. And I think the world tends to categorize people with one specific label. And it's frustrating when, like, you are other things as well. But people don't see that because of, like, the way you looked or the way you act and then what other people say about you. And, yeah, you kind of just have to look close enough to really see it. I agree. And I think our society is obsessed with binary structures, <laughs> mm, yeah. whether it be within gender, sexuality, culture, race, age, et cetera, et cetera. We're obsessed with binary structures. And that also translates in a social sense. It's like, oh, you're this person and you do this that is your thing it's like yeah. why can't you yeah. just be a person why can't you just exist why can't you have different quote unquote phases or you know why can't you just pursue what you want to without judgment or without exactly. being pigeonholed and I, I actually really resonate with this as well Ling because I think that yeah as I said people society is almost programmed to pigeonhole to look at to look for binary structures however why can't we just exist humans exactly. are so complex and so multifaceted um, it's a really, there's a really interesting conversation in that. Yeah, so after all these character reflections, let's reflect ourselves and reflect on what we've been asking for this entire <laughs> podcast. Oh my so gosh. <laughs> what does it mean to be an adolescent in today's age? The adolescent years of today's day and age are really special and really transformative, I feel. I feel like the overall experience is really pressuring, but like forgiving at like the same time. And it's pressuring in that you feel as though the whole world is watching you, especially through the digital world and the real world as well. But I feel like it's also forgiving in that you're also a bit of a rookie in lots of the things that you do as you're, you're experiencing new challenges, you're experiencing new experiences. And on top of navigating who you are from a day-to-day, -day, on a day-to-day -day basis, you also have to open yourself to the opportunity of finding yourself in like new contexts and understanding yourselves in other ways, I guess, like never before. But being, being an adolescent is about growth, it's about existence, and I guess life is essentially like one big journey about finding who you are, your place and your purpose in this universe. And your adolescence essentially initiates the process and discovery mm, of that yeah. introspection, I feel. Um, but I guess adolescents of today enjoy like a catalogue of experiences which soundtrack the people 
that they become. And I guess I'm a big music fan and this discography is so multifaceted and incorporates different genres, stories, sounds and vibes that people are just so complex. And essentially they'll never be understood and like that's okay and I feel like your adolescence is realising that that is okay. It's the beginning of like the process that re- of realising that life is not linear and things will happen as they are meant to and you are meant to be here and things will turn out how they are intended to. There's a really awesome quote from an artist who I'm obsessed with. Um, his name's David Le Pepe from a band called Gang of Youth, and he goes by the quote of, life is one big mess, and it's so much fun figuring it out. And I feel like it's an awesome sentiment to kind of finish on like for me puzzle. personally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what about you, Ling? Um, love the music analogy, by the way. <laughs> I feel like my answer is, like, so much shorter than yours. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for me... Talking about all of this, like you said, was a journey of self-reflection and closure on a lot of topics because I really hadn't had a chance to discuss or think about these things in a context like this. And to answer the question, I think being an adolescent or just like even being human today is about learning because like I said before, you're expected to act like an adult, but treat it like a child. And even though that duality is confusing, I think it opens up like this perfect gateway to learn. Because you're expected to make mistakes, but you also are given the chance to learn from them. And so looking back at my life experiences, you know, at the old age of 18, (laughs) I can definitely say, yeah, they were hard and they were difficult to get through. But like, I don't regret a single one of them because the lesson I took from that is something I can bring forward in life. So after all that deep reflection, we're just going to throw it to the people and see what they have to say. Do I like being a teen and would I want to go back in time or would I want to grow up quicker? Honestly, I really like being a teen and I would definitely want to go back in time. Seriously, when you're a teenager, that's basically your sweet spot. You have a lot of freedom and you don't really have financial pressures. You don't have to pay rent. You don't have to work. You're not financially independent. So you have a lot of freedom without really any liabilities or burden. I have no idea if I like being a teen because oftentimes I find myself wishing that I was younger so I didn't really understand much about the world and like struggle and like having to find a job and getting my life together but at the same time I'm more than ready to be independent and live my own life. So at the end of the day I just find it best to be in the moment and try not to think backwards or forwards because both alternatives can be depressing. I think that I've loved being a teen. Um, they, they've been some of the best years of my life, for sure, my teen years. Um, particularly the last couple, I think COVID sort of taught us to appreciate the small moments so that when we were together, we, we'd always have a good time. Um, you know, whether, whether it was, you know, going to parties together or um, the limited time we did have in the classroom together outside of, um, you know, lockdowns. Um, I'd say I loved being a teen and I'd, I'd love to do it again because growing up is boring. <laughs> So I love being a teen because like you just spend mate, spend time with mates, just do whatever you wanted. Um, but even today, I still still feel like um, I can do whatever I want. You should try and stay young as possible, so you can have that freedom, experiencing different things, enjoying yourself. Um, would I go back? I probably wouldn't because I like the history that I have. Or actually, if I had to go back, I'll go back just for the moments, just to remember the moments, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is really interesting because for me it's changed throughout my teenagehood. I think 
earlier on in my teenage years, I was definitely keen to grow up quickly. Um, I think just because I've always felt like an 80 year old woman on the inside um, in the body of like a, you know, a 19 year old. But um, yeah, I think now I'm kind of at a phase in my life where I've really accepted that it's okay to like just take every day as it comes and not feel like you need to have completed a whole lot of things or reached a whole lot of milestones by a certain age because really the experiences that you want in life and the things, the opportunities and the achievements you want to have, I think they come to you when they come to you for a reason. Um, that's a really good question because I feel like when you're the age that you are, you don't want to be that age. But what I've realised, especially after finishing school, that your teens are actually very special years because I'm comparing to when I was younger, like I was a very timid kid and like not very confident and like I don't think I understood my value, my worth. But as I've grown up, I've experienced different things. I've done certain things to make myself more confident. I've focused on myself more and I've done more to grow my character and develop me as a person. And I'm actually very appreciative of my teens because at this point in my life, this is all I know. And I know that the most, most growth that's happened has been in, say, the last year, the last two, three years, being a teenager. Love, love, love being a teen. Because when you're a teen, no one is like, hold up a second, you're like 30 now and you're still at uni, like what's up with that? Like, shouldn't you have a proper job? You can just be like, yes, I'm at uni, I'm a teen, this is what I'm doing and I'm learning, I'm still learning and it's okay to still be learning then. So as we approach the end of this podcast and really this whole journey, we wanted to thank the ACTF and Koreatown for facilitating this whole process. It's been such a great experience, not only to host a podcast, but to also discuss the teen life. I just wanted to thank Archie and Bridget for being so supportive and guiding us throughout this whole experience. We really couldn't have done it without the both of you. And of course, thank you to Anika. It's been great to work with you to create this safe space. I want to say a big thank you to you, Ling, for having the most awesome outlook and always bringing really insightful discussions to the table. We obviously also have to say a massive thank you to Olivia and Luca and the team behind the show, More Than This. Firstly, for creating a body of work that very accurately reflects the adolescent experience of today, but also enabling us the platform to explore and dissect many of the themes, moments and broader discussions within it. And lastly, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Thank you for going on this journey with us. We hope that this process has been equally introspective and entertaining. Thank you all. Until next time. Bye. If any of the content in this episode raises any issues for you, Kids Helpline's qualified counselors are available via web chat, phone, or email anytime and for any reason. 
Kids Helpline is Australia's only free, even from a mobile, confidential, 24-7 online and phone counselling service for young people aged 5 to 25. Visit kidshelpline.com.au or call 1-800-55-1800.